Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. We often talk about a mythical mountain range. Within that mountain range, there is a Mount Airline. And we really feel now on any given day that we are at the top of that airline in terms of the comms and the marketing that we do. So we feel good about that. But that isn't the largest peak in that range. It's something that we've affectionately called all brands peak. And it's something that has served us well as we just continue to say, we are moving up, you know, this massive mountain. We cannot take our foot off the gas pedal. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO podcast is Maggie Schmerin, the chief advertising officer at United Airlines. United is nearly a 100-year-old brand with roughly $45 billion in revenue, but it is certainly not behaving like a big old brand. Its recent business results are terrific, and the company has a surge of marketing creativity helping to drive those results. From a new brand campaign, Good Leads the Way, to clever viral social media, to naming Oscar the Grouch as its new chief trash officer, my guest Maggie and the United team are leading a renewal of their brand and their culture. Maggie, like me, is a Penn State graduate. We've had a few on the show recently. Maggie studied PR and American studies. She also studied abroad and was awarded a coveted internship at Manchester City Football Club. And this CMO is one heck of a sports fan. After Penn State, Maggie worked six and a half years with Edelman, where she developed her keen skills in social media before joining United in 2017 as a public relations director. In June 2023, she was promoted to chief advertising officer. This is my conversation with a CMO who believes great brand building begins with relevance and getting noticed, getting headlines. Here's Maggie. Maggie, welcome to the CMO podcast. We are recording this on the Monday morning after Barbenheimer weekend. So the first question has to be, did you see either movie this weekend? I'm seeing Barbie tonight. Oh, you're seeing Barbie tonight. Okay. What are you what are you wearing? You know, I I don't know if I will wear my pink, but I was out and about in Los Angeles this weekend. I was there for work and the number of, you know, groups of friends and women I saw dressed in pink, ready to go to the theater was something really cool and special to see. My daughter is an ICU nurse and her her a bunch of nurses are dressing up for it and she they're all going as a Barbie. There's an astronaut Barbie. There's a veterinarian Barbie. My daughter's going as strawberry shortcake Barbie. I didn't even know. Very cool. That was a thing. I saw it this weekend. It's it's pretty amazing. You're going to really, really. It's very thoughtful. That's what I've heard. Paraphrase Kara Swisher. It's silly and serious at the same time. 
Well, that's great. I've heard that. And I think the thing I'm most excited and a lesson for all of us brands is that Mattel, you know, allows themselves to be made fun of and is yes. actually, you know, uh, kind of one of the, the bad characters, so to speak. And I think that's a real lesson because lesser brands would have said, no, we're not touching that. And obviously look at the tremendous success that they have had off of this movie. Well, you make fun of yourself, too, at United, and we'll probably get into a bit of that later. Maggie, we're both native Pennsylvanians, both with degrees from Penn State. Shall, shall we start with the cheer? We have to. Go ahead. You start. Yeah, we are. Penn State. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. You're welcome, right? Exactly. <laughs> the Penn Staters in the world will appreciate that. I don't know if anyone else will. Right. But any, anyway, to, to stick on Pennsylvania for a moment, uh, I mean, I spent the first two decades of my life there and don't live there now. I grew up near Philadelphia. You grew up near Pittsburgh. How do you think growing up in Pennsylvania impacted you as a leader, as the person you are today? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Well, I'm a huge sports fan, and I credit that to where I grew up. And I think Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are really similar in this regard. Um, I'm a female sports fan, obviously, but was never treated any different growing up. You know, it was determined that my brother would learn about sports as would I, you know, there was no, oh, I'll learn about something different. We love sports as a family. We would go to Steelers games, Pitt games, Penn State games. And so sports was so important to me, you know, growing up. And I think that's really where I discovered not only a sense of community, but really a sense of this could be a job and there's more to sports than just what you see on the field. There's a massive storytelling aspect to this. You know, I really grew to love hype and this feeling of, you know, the big sporting event and the big weekend, whether that was the Friday night football game in high school, you know, all the way up to what a big weekend feels like at Penn State when there's a whiteout game at night and really just the branding from players, teams, the in-stadium experience, how that experience, you know, translates for those who are watching on social or on TV. Um, so I think it really starts with sports and something that, you know, we, we have in common here. Whenever you see, you know, lists they always do of, you know, the top teams with female fan bases, the Steelers, Eagles are always at the top of yeah. those lists. Um, so I think that's something unique about where we grew up. What was your sport as a kid? I'm a big football fan. So Steelers, uh, my parents both went to Pitt. So I did grow up cheering for mm. Pitt. And then I, you know, broke their heart and decided to go to Penn State. I still cheer for Pitt and Penn State. But honestly, I like all sports. I mean, I will watch golf with just as much as excitement yeah. as football, because I really think it is about the storytelling elements. Did you play as a kid? I did. I played golf um, as a kid and I rode mm. crew in high school. So, you know, growing oh, wow. up in Pittsburgh on the three rivers, crew is a big sport here. So that was my sport of choice in high school. Wow. That's a tough sport. Yeah. You must have been in great shape. Do you still do it? I don't. And I always say, you know, that I, I've lived in places, you know, with beautiful bodies of water. I spent my 20s in D.C., you know, by Georgetown yeah. and the boathouse. And I always wanted to get back into it, but it just hasn't happened. So I'll do the machine, you know, at the gym, the erg, but yeah, it's no substitute. Yeah, for being on the water. Now, we're going to get into this amazing story of United in a moment. But before we do that, let's talk about this category that you're operating in. And it's a category that so many of us love, right? Travel. And what a turnaround, of course, since the pandemic. And we've read all the obvious reasons that travel is surging. But you're in the middle of all this, right? You're studying this. You look at the trends. Anything that any insights you can share with us about the category that are maybe not so obvious 
that are driving this incredible uh, surge in, I don't know, exploration and curiosity and, tra- and all the reasons we travel. Yes. Yeah, it has been an incredibly interesting time. And I often talk about two of my least favorite words in the English language, and that is wanderlust followed by daydreaming. You know, doing what I do, I get pitched a lot, as does my team, on these creative campaigns or partners, and people talk a lot about wanderlust and daydreaming. And I often joke, first of all, you know, we're all so overscheduled and so busy. I don't know Mm -hmm. what it means to daydream anymore. You know, if we have free time, if we have five minutes available on our schedule, I think we're all scrolling through TikTok or Instagram, you know, no one's kind of staring out the window thinking about um, things. And really with Wonderlust, that's already happening. You know, I don't need to sell people on that. You know, I know anyone who has traveled this summer, these past couple of years know the planes are full, the airports mm-hmm. are full. And so people want to get back out there. That's a real result of, you know, having some restrictions and being stuck at home for several years. So we don't have to convince people that the world is open and it's time to go. The job that we have is to convince people why United Airlines and really to differentiate ourselves from this category. We'll get into that in a minute. What do you think is travel is going to look like in the next five to 10 years, the long view in terms of, you know, I know technology is always going to be improving. Uh, sustainability is a big theme. Your company is really uh, into that in a big way. But in, from the consumer perspective, you, what do you think is going to, what do you think the mega trends are going to be? You know, the biggest thing we're seeing is way less peaks and valleys in terms of when people traveled. So pre-pandemic, you know, you obviously would go somewhere for a weekend or, you know, a week at a time. But now because of this hybrid world that we all live in, we're really able to say, hey, you know, I have a wedding in Florida, so maybe I'll go down Wednesday and I'll work remote Thursday, Friday. You know, Thursday has actually become the busiest travel day of the year this summer in the States, where pre-pandemic, it was always Friday. And so I think we'll continue to see, you know, an evening out of when people travel, even off-season, shoulder season. We're all probably seeing just how crowded Europe is right now. We've seen the pictures of lines to get into some of the top, you know, tourist sites. And so we're really looking at our schedule and saying, how can we make you know, later in the fall or even winter, much more attractive, you know, London, Paris. Yes, it's obviously a little colder in February and March, but the crowds are, you know, so significantly lower. So how can we encourage travel to places like that year round? And so I think you'll really see a balancing out of when people travel, where they go to really avoid, you know, some of these lines and really the overcrowding, which is a massive challenge for the tourism industry and for destinations. You know, how can they ensure that they're able to protect these historic places, to protect the environment um, and make sure that you don't have, you know, people kind of trampling all over them at the same time? How have your personal travel habits and practices changed since joining United? Well, I travel even more than I did in the past. I was always a big traveler, but now, you know, I have the ability to go. Um, and so I do take advantage of the the travel benefits that we have here and and really have had the opportunity to just do some really cool things. Um, so travel all the time. I'm on the road about 60%, you know, of any mm. given month. So I love it. I really enjoy it. And I'm really thankful to work in the sector that I do. 
favorite destination in the last six years? I always say Italy is, you know, my go to. Never fails. Right. Never fails. Wherever you go in Italy, it's the absolute best. But I really have gotten to enjoy places like Amman, Jordan. Um, That's a new destination Mm -hmm. that we started flying to a couple of years ago and probably somewhere that, you know, I wouldn't have previously thought about. But the, you know, sophistication of a city, but all the historic elements that you have and being in the desert. I love Dubai, um, so I was very happy when we started flying there earlier this year. That's a wonderful place if people haven't been. It's just unlike anywhere that you've ever been. And one place I've really enjoyed exploring is Mexico. Prior to working at United, I had really only been to the beach destinations, you know, mm-hmm. the Cancuns of the world. But I've started spending a lot of time in Mexico City and other, you know, cities um, in Mexico. And it's just amazing to think that that's all just a short flight away. And I think a place that, you know, Americans don't necessarily think about at, at top of their list. And it absolutely should be. Yeah, I agree with it. I mean, I, I've, I live in Coronado about half the year. So I'm 10 miles from Mexico and it's just uh, the country is so diverse in all every possible way. Geography, food, culture. I love it. Right. Good. That's great to hear. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. So let's get into your story about what's going on at United. I mean, your your financial results are incredible. Your last quarter was a record breaker. Your customer feedback is strong. Your ad age best marketer of the year, 2022. Your culture you know, seems to be very creative, very vibrant. You know, you're you're more you're more a part of popular culture than I think you've ever been. So I think my first question for you, Maggie, is a big one is what the heck is going on inside United that's driving all this amazing stuff? Well, it's a great question. We talk a lot about our goal of being the biggest and best airline in the history of aviation. But obviously, you know, what does that mean? And that really means different things for different departments. And so when I think about the work that I do alongside my team, you know, we really challenged ourselves a few years ago to stop being so focused on our sector. You know, it was one thing to focus on competitors and the airline space and even the broader travel space. But we knew we really had aspirations to be a great consumer brand. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything that we could in our own category. But that really became the the less important thing that we were focusing on. So we've done a ton of work to say, who are those great, you know, cultural brands out there? Mm-hmm. And there are great brands for different reasons. And how can we make that our new goal instead of just always looking, you know, in our same category. So that has really rolled every decision that we have made, you know, in in my team and on my um, side of the world. And we know we're going to have to take big swings, you know, if we want to be thought of differently, we're really going to have to do things 
different than how we've done them in the past. And I truly, you know, believe that we have overturned and evolved almost every element of what we do when it comes to comms, social, advertising. I often joke that there's one thing that we do the same um, that we did three or four years ago, and that's a wonderful uh, guy that prints a lot of our out-of-home ads in Houston, Texas, who's been a partner um, of United for years. You know, we still work with him, but truly other than that from, you know, the partners we work with, where we advertise, when we advertise, our tone of voice on social, Mm -hmm. the things that we're focused on, all of that has truly changed. And it's really just been this list we've almost made. You know, it wasn't necessarily hard. It's just been a big scope of things that we really wanted to tackle. So over these last couple of years, we've just kind of moved down that list and one at a time, you know, put a focus on each of those, really had tremendous results by doing that. You just rattled that off very naturally. That is really hard to do what you just rattled off. So what have you learned about change and about change of the highest order, which you've just described, uh, that most efforts like that fail and yours is not failing, it's winning. So what about your team, your leadership? What What are the lessons have you learned as you've been part of this amazing transformation? Yeah, you definitely have to tell people where you're going, what the vision is, how you're going to get there and check in along the way. You know, we knew that we wanted to do things differently. And so we from minute one were really open. I was open with my team to say, hey, you know, this might have been what your role was three or so years ago or for the past, you know, six months. But here's how we're looking to evolve it. And here's the opportunity for you personally, which is really exciting. Um, And here's the opportunity for the department. And we did a lot of workshopping and discussions as a team to make sure that everyone was contributing to that vision. And, you know, we were building roles, you know, and then I hate to use that word role because that sounds too formal, but I would say maybe norms, you know, ways Mm -hmm. of working together. You know, we're going to do things differently. So that means, you know, there might be some stumbles along the way. How do we make sure that we check in and that it's going okay for everyone involved? But we built a mantra as a team um, back to kind of my story about the airline category and outside we often talk about a mythical mountain range. And so we talk about these mountains and within that mountain range, there is a Mount airline. And that's where all the, you know, US airlines live and really any airline out there. And we really feel now on any given day that we are at the top of that airline in terms of the comms and the marketing that we do. So we feel good about that. But that isn't the largest peak in that range. You know, the largest peak in that mountain range is something that we've affectionately called all brands peak. And that's where all the great consumer brands are. And so it became this shorthand, you know, all brands peak. We have stickers, you know, on our laptops um, that we had made. We, you know, talked often, is this going to get us to all brands peak? And I, I think one of the things I was surprised about was how much people bought into that, you know? It could feel maybe a little cheesy to some, or is this really necessary? But it worked for our team. And I often joke, you know, I'm not a mountain climber. I don't climb or really hike in my free time. But the amount of, you know, analogies that we have now with that, everyone has little carabiners by their desk. And we've really bought into that. And it's something that has served us well as we just continue to say, 
we are moving up, you know, this massive mountain. We cannot take our foot off the gas pedal. And we really have to study, you know, what other brands in that space are doing and really push ourselves beyond the category that we exist in. Well, you've reset your ambition, right? Right. Everyone loves that. You've really expanded it. What are some of the, if you could share with us, some of the brands or categories that are on those other peaks that you admire that you want to be thought of as part of these kinds of brands? I think one of the most helpful things we did was really identify other brands and give a specific reason why. You know, it's Mm -hmm. really easy to say Nike's a great brand, but it then gets a little difficult to think about, well, how can United, you know, translate into some of the success Nike's had? So that was something, you know, I learned a little bit into this process to say, okay, we need to get specific why a brand is great. And they're great for a lot of different reasons. So we take Wendy's, for example, you know, Wendy's is great with their social tone of voice and specifically their tone of voice on Twitter. You know, it's really down to even just one social platform. And so what lessons can we take from them? And we really evolved our tone of voice. It's much different on newer platforms like threads, like TikTok, and a little bit, you know, on on Instagram as well. Then you take a brand like Airbnb and their out-of-home advertising is beautiful. It is sophisticated. You know it's an Airbnb ad when you see it. I think the same could be said for Apple and their shot on an iPhone campaign. You know you know exactly when you're driving down the highway that that is an Apple billboard and you know the elements of that. So how can we take inspiration for that for our out-of-home ads that we have outside of our airports? So we've gotten really specific, which I think has even helped more, you know, maybe the more junior members of the team that are just coming into this industry to really start to understand, you know, specific elements of specific brands and what they do well. And then you have a Nike that, of course, is a brand that does a lot well. um, But how can we, you know, look at something like long form copy, you know, every brand out there is always trying to have less and less copy. Nike, you know, sometimes has really long copy in their ads, which I personally really like. Um, so I take some inspiration in terms of what's the right time and place to to have a lot of words and how can, you know, we maybe do that at United. How is the company and your remit, the marketing group, most different than it was when you joined six and a half years ago? You know, the thing that I love working about United is that we have a real seat at the table. I do not need to convince anyone on, you know, why we should be on TikTok. Sometimes I talk to peers and I'm sure, you know, they're, they're faced with, oh, isn't TikTok just for kids or for dancing? You know, we don't have that skepticism at United. You know, that's because there's a real understanding of the success we're having and we're working hard to make sure everyone in the company knows and is bought in um, to what we're doing. But the success we've had is because we have a seat, you know, right there alongside all of the decisions that are being made. And the best part is that we have a company that is really, you know, walking the walk. Sometimes, you know, advertising can sometimes get a little ahead, I think, of where a brand realistically is. And the advertising is almost, you know, best case scenario. This is the brand we hope to be and aspire to be. You know, at United, we're really a reflection of what's going on at the airport, in the operation, in the culture, which is the best thing. I didn't really have to engineer something. The work is all coming out of real things that we're doing, which makes, you know, our job fun and I think, you know, easier in a way than maybe some other brands out there. Now, we talked about your financial results a minute ago. They're really great. How do you know your team? What kind of KPIs do you have for your group to ensure that you're making progress 
Yeah, I know you, I know the numbers are the ultimate one, but what are some of the in-process measures that you know that you're fulfilling your mission at United and your mission to be an all-brands peak kind of brand? Yeah, that that's exactly right. You know, and the numbers are always there. You know, are people flying? Is the yeah. plane full? Yes. So, of course, we look at that, but that isn't the top thing. And again, I to the credit of our broader leadership team because they really understand this journey we're on. I would say most simple, it's to change the way that people feel about United. And we're interesting, you know, if you compare us to maybe other brands, there's a real geography element to what an airline does because of where our hub cities are. And so we've done more work these past couple of years to not treat everyone the same, you know, across not only just the U.S., but even if you look at our seven hub markets in the States, I talk a lot often about Denver, for example. You know, that's a market where there's real competition. There are other airlines that are based there. The airport is growing. Other airlines are growing there. So we have a job to make sure that United stands out because we have a lot of customers that might fly us one week and then they might fly another airline the next week. Then you look at other hubs like New Jersey, you know, outside of Newark, San Francisco, we are the dominant carrier. And so people are flying us already, but we want them to feel good about that. We don't want them to feel like, oh, I'm handcuffed to the loyalty program. That's where my miles and my status are. So I have no other choice. We want them to you know, feel proud when they say, take me to the United Terminal to their taxi driver or their Uber driver. And so we've done you know, a lot of work to better understand what do we need to do you know, to convince those people to feel better about United as their choice airline. So it really comes down to sentiment, you know, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And then some of these risks we're taking in terms of the actual creative and the marketing, you know, the validation is in things like marketer of the year or um, our team loves, you know, anytime someone says on social media, United is the new Wendy's, you know, that doesn't really yeah. mean anything to a lot of, uh, you know, C-suite executives. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But to our team, you know, that is the absolute best praise that we can get to say that we're, we're on the right path. Now, Maggie, you talked about uh, sentiment being so important and emotion being so important. I mean, this has not always been the United Airlines I've known. Right. And so you are transforming how I feel about the brand as a consumer. I'd like you to take us back at some time in history when all this started to change. So what was the catalyst in this change in the company strategy, the marketing strategy? Was it a person? Was it an event? Was it I, what happened to initiate what is a very different look, feel and attitude? tone of voice, personality of this 100-year-old brand. Right, exactly. Well, I will credit two great leaders that we've had. We've had two phenomenal CEOs over the past several years. Oscar Munoz was the first and mm -hmm. really focused on the internal culture. You know, he arrived at a time when the Continental United merger was still in the early days, and there was a lot to figure out internally with employees who weren't happy, um, had just lived through a lot on both the United side, Continental side. These are employees that had had changes to their pensions. They had lived through September 11th. And so he came in and really focused on making the culture right and really delivering on what he says, proof, not promise. You know, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do. We're actually going to go out and do it. And so that was really the focus of his tenure. And then following him was Scott Kirby, who is our current CEO. And I think building off of that incredibly strong 
internal culture allows us to go and really stand proud to be the leader we always knew we were. You know, if you look back at our almost 100 year history, there's a wonderful um, trajectory of United being the first mover and, you know, being the first to fly somewhere or to do something. But I don't think, you know, we maybe stood proud in that with a lot of our marketing and our communications. And, you know, Scott had this vision for we're going to be the biggest and the best. And here's how we're going to go and do that. And like I said, you know, the company is walking the walk. We are doing that in diversity and inclusion in sustainability with our industry leading route network. And so that's really inspiring as a marketer to be able to say, hey, I want to go talk about this. You know, advertising can be a great force multiplier. It's one thing for people to see it on social or to read about it in the news, but we were really inspired to go out and tell this story. So I absolutely credit both of those individuals um, with the work that they have done here that has, you know, led to us saying, okay, well, we now need to be first mover and we need to change some of the things that we're doing in our space. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Let's talk about your campaign, which has a, about, I think, a one-year anniversary around now. Right. Good leads the way. Obviously, it's, it's about your culture, right? It's about who you are. And... I mean, as I look at it, and I remember when you launched it, and I've been watching it since then, I mean, the holy grail of a great campaign is it really lights up your people internally, and it gets people outside the company interested in what you're doing, changes their sentiment, and is a creative expression of your brand purpose. And you nailed it, I think, on all three of those, and very few companies do. You know, I get I get asked a lot about brand purpose and it's, you know, it fails when it's not acted upon and, and it doesn't touch everything inside the company and outside the company. So could you go back to the origin of that campaign, how it happened? What's your advice for others who would love to get that trifecta, right? A campaign that works inside, outside and brings the brand purpose to life. So give us history on this campaign, how it happened and what your learning has been that might help others? Well, it absolutely started with employees. You know, we have 90,000 employees. We have a lot of very senior, long tenured employees. You know, you're talking about people that have worked here 20, 30, sometimes even 40 years. So they've seen it all. You know, they've seen tons of different attempts at marketing and different taglines and campaigns. And so we knew that if we didn't nail it with them, and have work that they saw as a reflection of the United that they enjoy working at, it, it it kind of didn't matter at that point what the public thought. So we really started with employees and this was the height of the pandemic. You know, we were going into airports at a time when not a lot of people were flying. We did a creative agency RFP um, at a time this was pre-vaccine. You know, we met outside, we interviewed agencies outside. We had pitch meetings 
outside in Los Angeles and in New York when, trust me, it wasn't warm enough to be meeting outside um, in New York. But that's how important we felt it was to find the right creative partner for us to be able to deliver on this work and how important we thought the power of meeting in person was together. And once we had the right partner, we said, okay, we have to spend time in our airports because there's a real disconnect. People who work at this company genuinely enjoy working here, but that's not being reflected to the outside customer. And so what is happening? You know, how can we show you, show my team, show our agency partners, you know, really what the culture is like internally at United? So we walked the halls. You know, we spent a ton of time in maintenance hangars at the airport, talking to flight attendants, pilots. We did more focus groups than we've ever done, both with employees first and foremost, but then with different types of customers. Going back to what I was saying about our hub geographies, you know, who's that customer in Denver that maybe only flies us half the time right now? What messages do they need to hear to consider flying us more? And then maybe that customer that's been around for years and might be a little skeptical, what do they really want to see and hear from their airline? And so that really was the genesis of Good Leads the Way. And for us, you know, we didn't want a superiority claim. We really wanted something that said, this is our motivation. You know, we're motivated every single day to do the right thing. Um, We know we won't always get it right. But really, our intention is for good to lead the way in every single thing that we do. What's your hope and how this campaign evolves? Well, the best thing about this campaign, and we knew when we built it, it had to be something that could be around for several years. And so we really do look at it as a modern day storybook with, you know, each campaign can be, or each announcement, I should say, that we have as a company can be a new chapter in that campaign. We can continue to evolve it. You know, we're telling great customer stories in it, employee stories, and there's no shortage of those. And so we want to continue to, I think, you know, now really in year two after introducing it, really delve a little bit deeper into good and, you know, leads the way, you know, what are kind of Mm -hmm. those two pieces and what do customers, you know, need to hear um, from us. So we'll have new work coming out this fall that we're making as we speak that we're really excited about. What were the early signals that it was right? that it would work? We showed a lot of storyboards. We actually showed some, you know, very rough edits of films and of our kind of hero anthem film and a lot of these focus groups. And the feedback there was exactly what you would want to hear from employees and customers. And so early on, you know, we we knew we were on the right path. And I'll just share that this was different than how United had approached things in the past. We had saved research for maybe those, you know, big you know, moments, um, but I don't think probably did it as much as we should have been doing it. And so oftentimes we would launch work and the marketing team would feel good about it. But there was always a little bit of a surprise, you know, are employees going to like it? Will this resonate with the public? And now we make sure we always do our homework. You know, research is absolutely critical to what we do because we were able to change, you know, small words, small images, but really to know along the way. And that's motivating to my team, to our agency partners, to know that they're working on something that people are going to like, as opposed to, I like this and let's just, you know, cross our fingers and hope that it's going to have the, uh, the impact with our audience when it launches. I was a young brand manager at P&G at, on Jif Peanut Butter, and when we would have a new campaign, even a new execution, I would go down to the factory and stay for three shifts and show it to all three shifts. 
and ask them, is this representative of us? Does this make you feel proud? Do you think this will help the brand? And obviously these are people in, in there. It's engineers, it's supply chain people, it's line workers. You know, they care and they're honest. And if it's not resonating with them, it's not good enough. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I love what you're doing. I will go to any meeting and present our work. You know, I think a lot of times advertising can be thought of this thing for the cool kids and, you know, only certain people get to understand advertising and marketing. And I don't buy into that at all. I will go anywhere. I will share our strategy. I will mm -hmm. tell people within United what we're doing because I don't want it, it to be a guessing game. And everyone has really good feedback, you know, that we can take on. Um, so I see that as a big part of my job these days um, is just making sure that I'm showing up and other members of my team are showing up everywhere that we're invited to speak. Well, let's talk a bit more about, and I know we talked about the culture so far, but I want to go a little bit more deeply into the culture that created Good Leads the Way. I mean, it's, it's, it's the anchor for everything you do, but you're, you know, from an outsider's perspective, your creativity at United is kind of on fire and that doesn't happen by chance. So what has happened? What could we learn from what has happened at United about building and leading a culture that values creativity. Yeah. Well, I'll say a phrase that, you know, I'm definitely not the first to say, but never let a good crisis go to waste. You know, we did have some really tough times with our brand in 2017, 2018. We had some incredibly high profile incidents, you know, in the news and obviously learned a lot and worked through those. But one of the things I took away is just how close we became on the United side. You know, when you're working and, you know, close physical space, working your way through a crisis and you're sitting alongside your legal team and people from the operation, you know, there's really no replacement um, for that type of bonding. But then when times are, you know, getting better and you're moving on from that, really to continue to invest in those relationships. You know, people that join United are often surprised, people who join my team, um, about number one, how much we like our friends in legal. You know, a lot of times at brands, there's this real tension between what the marketers want to do and what they're legally allowed to do. And we don't have that because we've spent so much time together, but also we've spent a lot of time educating the other on here's what we're trying to do. You know, we're not trying to do something that's going to get us sued um, or something that feels off brand. But let me tell you why this would really be impactful for the company if we could have an ad or a social post that said X, Y, Z. Um, and there's real respect and collaboration with those, you know, with our brand team, with our friends and legal, you know, safety is a big part of everything that we do at an airline and want to make sure that that's always part of the conversation. And so there's that understanding and collaboration that really then allows us to do our own thing on the creative side. And it works because we always check back in with them, you know, back to my earlier point of letting everyone know what we're doing. It's not like we have that one conversation and go off and, and do our own thing. And then they see an ad on their TV screen. I think the best example is really the work we do around our sustainability efforts. You know, that is a massive collaboration with our environmental affairs team, with our legal team, because there's a lot around 
green ad laws and what you can and can't say. And so they're an extension of our team. They are not a, you know, check the box, they review it. They're in these creative ideation sessions with us, really helping us, you know, from the jump. And so it's really that strong foundation that we have built that thou has allowed us to be, you know, incredibly creative because of the relationships and the trust that each team has with each other. Maggie, if I took a snapshot of the marketing organization department, whatever you call it at United in 2017 and took a snapshot today, how would that look different in terms of kinds of people, where the talent is, what capabilities you've built or doubled down on, how you're organized? Yeah, one thing that I think sets us apart from others, you know, and a lot of other brands of our size, marketing, you know, really sits at the top and communications oftentimes reports up through marketing. I would think of it as almost flipped at United. You know, we have really led with this notion that everything we do has to create news in a good way, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we want to be earned centric. And so, you know, you have advertising reporting up through communications, which is quite different than a lot of other brands. But that gives us then the seat at the table to know absolutely everything that's going on at the company. You know, I would say five or six years ago, advertising was a little bit further removed. So even if you think about all of the things that could go on at an airline in any given day and a reason why you might say, hey, we're going to pause advertising because it's a really bad weather day in one of our hubs. And let's be realistic. People aren't going to think about, you know, booking a ticket when the news is just, you know, all about thunderstorms and flights being canceled. Previously, it would have taken us several steps to get to that advertising team to kind of someone from the comms team to go tell someone from the ad team for the ads to get paused. You know, now because we sit all as one team, we are able to be so much more nimble and fast with our messaging, you know, for good or bad, you know, challenges that we have to deal with or opportunistic moments. And I really, you know, think a lot of our success is down to the earned centric approach that we've taken and really the, um, you know, value of comms at United. You seem to have, I want to talk about your career for a moment now. You seem to have known very early exactly what you wanted to do in your career, right? You were highly involved in media and PR, extracurricular activities at Penn State. You majored in PR and American studies. And then you went to, and you jumped right into the field, right? So how did you know as a young woman, young girl, really, that this is what you wanted to do with your life? I always think about this. I wish I had, you know, a more interesting story. I feel like I discovered what PR was when I was looking for colleges. And I thought, okay, well, I like to write. I like to talk. There you go. Um, and I really never wavered from from there. So um, I went into college um, as an ad PR major. I never changed it. This is always something that I knew I wanted to do. I think it was really just about being confident um, and knowing that this is my thing. You know, oftentimes nowadays, I feel like there's a lot of emphasis placed on people that might not know what they want to do and really the power and that uncertainty and it's okay to change your mind, which listen, I totally agree with. That wasn't me. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I also think that there's a lot of power in that and it's okay. You know, you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't have to change your mind. If you know, this is the thing for me, stick with it, Uh, you know, continue to practice your craft. So that's really why, you know, I'm here today and I still love this industry and what I do just as much as when I think I dreamed about what I could one day do when I was, you know, starting to think about a career and going to college. 
Now, you're at the Edelman Agency for about six and a half years, and you've been at United about the same amount of time. Edelman's obviously a world-class communications company. You've had social media in your title for a majority of those 12 years, you know, leading up to your higher-level role now. How has that shaped how you view brand building? It's critical. You know, you have to be doing something that not only are earned centric, but really built for social media. You know, I can't think of a campaign right now that's had success that didn't have an element um, that resonated with social media. So something I was personally interested early on in my career, I kind of raised my hand at a very small boutique agency that I started at prior to Edelman to say, mm-hmm. this feels like it's going to be something. And can I you know, start to dabble and think about how we might use this for our clients? And then really worked my way up from there. And I really think that it, it has benefited me, you know, that real understanding of social, what's going to work on each channel, which resonates and really how to understand, you know, the broader social conversation. I talk a lot about reading the room, um, you know, what's happening out there in the world beyond United. There are some days that we wake up and we have great social content planned. But if you read the room and just see what's going on out there, you might say, you know, this isn't the time, you know, we don't want to insert ourselves as a brand. It's rough out there today on social media because of maybe something going on in the news, or it's actually other brands moments to shine. um, And there's not a relevant way in for our brand. So I really value that social media foundation and, and think we've been able to bring a lot of that to what has been a more traditional, you know, advertising approach that United had in the past. How do you stay in touch with everything that's going on? What do you do personally to be sure you stay sharp? You have to be a student of the game always. You know, I often laugh when I hear people say, oh, well, I just need a break from social media. You know, I'm taking it off my phone. And I think, well, not if you work in this space. Um, You know, if you have chosen marketing communications in the year 2023 as, as our career you have to be scrolling through your feeds every single day and reading the trade outlets and studying what other brands are doing. You have to love it. You have to find that interesting. You know, I have some good friends from Penn State that are engineers and I often talk with them. You know, yes, their career has evolved. They have more technology than they did in the past. But by and large, you know, the principles that they learned at Penn State 20 some years ago are still the principles that they use today in their work. Where if you think about, you know, what we do, these social platforms didn't exist back then. And so you really have to say, hey, I've chosen a career that continuous learning is the name of the game. I can't just think I learned something or I learned something in a job several years ago and call it a day. Um, So I really value people that are so passionate and hungry and saying, you know, I was on Instagram and I saw something that a sports team did or another brand did, or I was reading this great article on Ad Age or Ad Week. You know, that's the type of hunger and excitement that we want on our team. What practices do you have personally to be sure that you're never far away from this important critical capability? Yeah, it's a lot of time spent reading and looking at what else is going on. You know, every Mm -hmm. morning I wake up and I read you know, newsletter recaps of the top big stories of the day. I follow way too many brands and competitors, you know, on my own social channels and really make sure, I mean, I see that as part of the job, you know, finding time 
in the day to scroll through. You know, you mentioned CAN. We, we were at CAN as well and, and making sure that we're studying the work. One of the best things I think about CAN is actually the work that comes from outside the United States um, mm-hmm. because we have an opportunity, you know, if you're doing your homework to to see what other brands in the States are doing. But it's harder to know what other brands are doing in, you know, Latin America, in Asia. So really making sure you're going to a place um, like Can and seeing that is part of the reason why you're there, to be in the basement of the Palais and looking at the work, you know, every single day. I love the BA work in your category, the outdoor and BA. I thought that was brilliant. It's really good. It's really clean looking, which I think is um, something we can take a lot of inspiration from. That's another one where you look at those ads and you know it's British Airways. Yeah, that's right. Let's switch to the creative brief. And the first question I have for you, Maggie, is in your still early career, what is the campaign or initiative that has been most meaningful for you that you've worked on? That is a great question. You know, I will say Good Leads the Way, our recent brand campaign, because it's where it all came together. I feel like for me personally, it was the realization of a lot that I had learned along the way and really mirrored, you know, the trajectory I've taken with starting, you know, in comms and PR, social, then advertising, you know, really is a nice way to bring that all together. And then United's first big national, really global brand campaign in more than a decade. So to be able to deliver this big thing at a critical time when we were just coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, we had a lot of thought and discussion on the United side. When's the right time to do something like this? Again, back to, you know, the read the room moment. There were times where the work was actually done and ready to go. And we had thought about launching it, but it just didn't feel right. There were still, you would have likes of, you know, the coronavirus. And so we really had to wait for that perfect time. So I would say Good Leads Away is the thing that, you know, I, I'm most proud of. I thought you'd say that. Yeah. I wanted to check. <laughs> Who's been the most meaningful mentor or boss in your career to date? I would really say it's a collection of people because I consider myself so lucky to have had wonderful bosses throughout my career. I have yet to have, you know, one of those like stereotypical bad bosses. Um, So I, I feel so, you know, fortunate. The thing that I think all of them did for me they were really sponsors. You know, you hear a lot about mm-hmm. mentorship, and I think there's absolutely a place for mentorship. But I think the more important thing is actually sponsorship. And how can you have a sponsor that really speaks for you when you're not in the room, when you don't yet have a seat at that table? You know, I knew that I wanted to live and work in London. That was always a goal of mine. And so early on in my time at Edelman, I really told anyone who would listen, you know, hey, I want to I want to work in the London office one day. And most people were like, great, that's that's good for you. But, you know, I had one boss in particular who took that on as a personal mission for him to say, hey, I'm not going to get you there right now or in the next six months, but I will get you there. And he, you know, pounded his fist on the table repeatedly to say, we got to make this happen, you know, for Maggie. And so who are those people in your life that can really um, advocate for you when you not when you might not be there yet in your career? Um, so I'm fortunate to have had several of those. What's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young girl growing up in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I will. I will say back to the sports thing. 
my favorite ads and what I think I really realized what ads were, were the This is Sports Center commercials that ESPN used to do yeah. back in the day, you know, which they're bringing back now um, with all the players and the humor. I loved those. And again, I think that's where I really started to understand that sports was personally interesting to me, but there were elements of this that could actually be a job and a career someday. And so when I grew up, I used to think, oh, I, the dream job was the NFL or, or actually the Pittsburgh Steelers. That that was my dream job uh, yeah. to look after, you know, comms for them. But that's something that that stuck with me in those early years and just the use of humor, the use of celebrity being you know, pop culturally relevant at the time. And you look at those ads, you can still go watch most of them on YouTube. They still hold up, you know, even the ones from decades ago, which is just such a testament to what a good campaign it was. This is such a small world. Before our recording today, I was on a call with Charles Hodges, who is the founder of Arts and Letters. It's an agency in Richmond. He is the guy who did this sports center. I mean, it's always a team. Right. But well, there you uh, go. And he's still super, super proud of that campaign and where it came. And uh, so it's just funny. And that he, is. Yeah. so I, I looked at a lot of video. Of this is Sports Center earlier today and talked about the origin of the campaign, how it came to be, what role it's played in his career. Wow. What a small world. Well, give him my best. I will. He'll love he'll love listening to this, by the good, way. Yeah, I can't say enough good good things about and that a super, work. A super hot agency, by the way. Uh, I have no stake in them, but just they've been growing very fast. They work in an agile way. They are uh, very creative, very team-oriented, all the things you're talking about. This, this is how creativity happens. We have a lot of young listeners on this show, and they find people like yourself very aspirational. So I'd like you to speak to them for a minute before we close out. If they would love to be a CMO like you are, Maggie, what's some of the counsel you would give them? Yeah, the best thing is to continue to read, to learn, to study others. You know, there's no way that you can have success in this industry without just constantly absorbing all day, every day. I tell people that if you do two things, you will put yourself head and shoulders above your competition. Those two things are watch 60 Minutes every single week. That is still one of the best programs out there on TV. And whether or not there's something applicable for the world that you do, it's good water cooler conversation, you know, to be able mm -hmm. to show up at work the next week, or if you're at a business dinner and to be able to say, did you see 60 Minutes on Sunday? And to talk about that, you know, really, I think puts you in a league of your own. And then reading whatever those, you know, newsletters, journals, magazines are, you know, I love Fast Company. And that used to be something I would tell people, get a subscription to Fast Company because you're going to learn a lot about innovation and, you know, moving at the speed of now and companies that are doing it well. And whether it's Fast Company or something else that you're reading, you know, just reading and taking on that knowledge is something that's really important um, and something that you can tell when someone's faking it. You know, when I interview a candidate and I ask them about where they get their news and things that they're seeing that are interesting, when someone's passionate and their face lights up and they give a long answer versus when someone's, you know, maybe grasping at something they heard about back in college or heard about it or from someone else and didn't absorb themselves, you can tell. But I think just always making sure that you're a student of the industry. Okay, we start, we, we're going to end on travel. I asked you some of your favorite places, but I want to ask you in the next year, what is the travel experience you're most looking forward to? 
Well, I will say personally, um, in terms of destination, I have not yet been to Singapore. That keeps oh. being the place that has eluded me. Um, so I would really love to make sure um, that that happens over the course of the next year. But more broadly for, you know, the actual travel experience, I'm really excited about all of the ways that we're just making travel easy for people. I think the best example I have at United is our mobile app. It truly is a wizard. It can do everything for you. If you're traveling with us, you absolutely have to have the app downloaded. A lot of our travelers already know that, but I'm excited in the work I do. We're going to communicate more about that and really tell mm -hmm. people more about all of the bells and whistles that they might not know. Um, and that's a really fun assignment to be able to talk about that. So that's something that, um, that we're really focused on at United. And have a little fun with it, right? Yeah. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Yeah. So Maggie, from one Pennsylvania to another. Right. Thank you for this uh, wonderful conversation. Gosh, it's rich with lessons and with energy and with fun. You're very inspiring. Uh, I love watching what your brand's doing. All the best to you and your team. It's important. Well, thanks, Jim. This has been the best way to start the week. So thank you for the time and the platform. I really enjoyed myself. That was my conversation with Maggie Schmarin. Three takeaways from this one for your business brand and life. The first one, widen your brand ambition. I loved what Maggie talked about. They look outside the airline industry for all sorts of inspiration, both strategy and tactics. She talked about getting to the all brands peak. In other words, doing work that stands out, not just in their category, but in culture at large. The second takeaway is about creativity. This is a highly creative time at United. I asked Maggie how that's happening, and she quickly went to trust, teams, communication, and purpose. If you put all those together, you have creativity flourish in your culture. And the third takeaway, valuing your team, valuing your employees, wherever they may sit and whatever their work might be in your company. Maggie talked about how successful their new campaign is because it's all about engaging their employees, getting their input, ensuring that the campaign reflects who they are, what's important at the company, and what their purpose is. And here's a bonus takeaway. There's a lot to learn in here about leveraging social. Maggie believes that if you don't start with social, you don't build great brands. That's just the way the world is working now. You have to get yourself involved in social and you have to start every idea and campaign on how will this resonate in the social ecosystem. Hey, one more thing I think you would be interested in. There's a new podcast from Work where I am the guest, not the host. I am joined by Kate Lamberton from the Wharton School of Business and Ken Favaro, Chief Strategy Officer of Barra. The three of us talk about the story we wrote in Harvard Business Review about brand marketing and performance marketing. It was fun to record, Work did a great job. And if you are interested in the topic of how to build your brand and your business, listen to it. The link is in the show notes. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.